Cheerscast is part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Afternoon, everybody. Hey, Mr. Peterson, what do you say to a cold one? See you later, Vera. I'll be at Cheers. <laughs> you want to go where everybody knows your name. Hello and welcome back to Cheerscast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. I'm Ryan Daly and joining me once again from Jeff and Rick Presents and other podcasts beyond, returning champion Rick Heineken. What's up, Rick? Well, I'll tell you, man, it's just another day at the office. I'm just pushing the pencils around, holding down the paper. That, that's what I do. That's my job. That's my life. <laughs> we're, we're talking about a norm specific episode this time and it's a norm working at the office we're actually going to spend a lot of time in the office i actually this was i i it should have pinged on my radar much earlier than this but this episode in particular reminded me that all season long they must have gotten like a like a budget surplus because they leave the bar a ton throughout this past season like going back to the first episode where they're on a boat mm-hmm. and like all of these like different bars, like restaurants, other places, like so many new locations throughout the season that they spend like half of the episode in. It took them time, but after, you know, four years of good seasons, mm-hmm. they are starting to get some of the cash. Oh, yeah, in, yeah. At know? this point, at this point, they're a top three show. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're like, well, we can we can afford to spend some money on it. You know, they got some coin some to throw around. Yeah, you know, bring more people in. It's all good. And and you kind of I, I think you're setting us up a little bit, but uh, uh-huh. uh, you brought a you brought a thematic beer for this episode. What did you What are you drinking yes, this time? I, did. I brought Mocha Machine, which is an imperial coffee chocolate porter, and I thought that a coffee porter would be quite good uh, as I poured into pouring. my Cheers mug, and I thought that you know Norm, he's at an office now, and he's going to want to sit down. And he's going to want to have a nice cup of coffee, in quotes. <laughs> so if he's got his Cheers Boston mug at his desk and he puts some coffee in it, coffee beer, I think uh, mm-hmm. I think that would do him well during the day. Not that I am saying that he should drink at work. No, he makes the excuse to leave work. <laughs> right. He, he leaves work to take his drink. But if he's working a little late and he can't make it to Cheers... He's got his coffee cup. He's got his beer in the coffee cup. He's good Mocha to go. Beer. Yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen at home, you can't see it, but Rick is holding up a cheers beer mug or cheers coffee mug. Yeah. Yep. Cheers that I have beer. that I have poured my beer into and I'm drinking it out of here. First of all, it is a small can of beer, and I nearly filled up this entire cup with it. So I thought that was quite good. How does it taste? It tastes really good. It is actually incredibly strong. It is a um Mocha machine, the coffee mocha flavor comes through really well. It's good. Imperial usually has a stronger alcohol content, but the coffee and the mocha chocolate part is covering it up really well. So it's That's what beer needs is caffeine. <laughs> hey, you want to be awake when you're drunk, right? <laughs> Otherwise, what are we even doing? <laughs> no, I, I, you gave me this one. I had a chance to take a look at the episode and I was like, what can I do with this? And I just happened to be reaching in my coffee cupboard. I was like, you know, I've got a cheers coffee cup here. Oh, I have got myself an idea. So if, if you were really truly a fan though, when you poured it into the mug, it would have been like 75% head. <laughs> you don't know. It is a coffee mug. You can't see through it. Okay? <laughs> yeah. 
just just assume that that all the, all the white is just all foam just until like two inches deep into the yeah you know they have to all make right. money somehow they don't get money off of any of the guests that they that come in the bar so they got to make money somehow they just cut the beer down with all the foam that's right nor certainly not paying his tab so no speaking of that let us get into the episode proper we are in season five episode 23 norm's first hurrah this one is written by andy cohen and david s williger directed by thomas lafaro not uh, james burroughs um this is the second episode directed by tom lafaro he ended up directing five episodes in total uh the remaining three i think are all in season six um, and he was just one of, he was like the assistant director behind, working for Jim Burroughs for the first part of the Cheers season and, and wondering if Burroughs was on vacation or if he was directing another pilot or another TV show at the time. But uh, so Tom LaFaro had to step in. Uh, the original air date for this one was Thursday, March 26th, 1987. Norm brags about his new job at one of the highest rated CPA firms in Boston, but the gang so used to the frequent turnover on his work status, is hardly enthused. Feeling guilty, Diane convinces them to go to Norm's new office and give him the proper congratulations. There, they witness Norm isn't the big shot he claimed to be, sharing his ridiculously tiny office with another new hire named Tompkins. When the tiny office is confused with the supply room, a defeated Norm muses that he isn't meant for success. Diane is disgusted by his defeatist attitude and throws some harsh truths at him until Norm is finally inspired to try and elevate himself at the firm. The next day, he prepares to present an ambitious proposal to the board of directors, but his idea is stolen by his office partner who passes it off as his own. Fortune favors Norm, however, when the proposal is met with scorn from the board. Having narrowly dodged a bullet, Norm tells Diane that he is truly happy being an anonymous cog in the workplace machine and has no greater ambition to move up. This attitude is rewarded when his supervisor doesn't even know his proper name. Ironic, because it's the cheers where everybody knows your name. So, All right, Rick, what did you think about this episode? You know, this is a this is a quieter one almost. It's got a lot of jokes, but the jokes are the jokes are actually mean in this one. The second time through, I really realized how mean all of the jokes were. It's kind of across the board, <laughs> but it really is a character study on Norm. This is his episode to find out, you know, what really makes Norm tick besides beer uh, and his love hate relationship with Vera. But this is actually Norm at work. He looks like the professional white collar guy in the office or in the bar. What does he actually do? How does this man actually earn money? <laughs> this is the kind of the questions that it starts to answer a bit. You know, what does he like in work? He's a fixture at the bar, but is he really like that at work? And the answer we find out is yes, he is. So it, it's it's a good episode. It's um, not a top tier one. I think it's a, just a good, solid, everyday cheer, cheers episode. Yeah, it's it. I think it's it's ultimately. I don't want to call it forgettable, but yeah, it's not it's not a critical episode. It's not a crucial one. Um, not even like the best norm episode, but it is kind of a nice snapshot of him. Like for mm. it, it's the Dow of Norm a little bit. It's it's like yeah, like you're right. Like what makes this guy tick? Like how do you imagine somebody 
who is so much a fixture of the bar that it's almost literally like part of the part of the the backdrop and the setting really how does he function in normal society how does he make money how does he actually hold down a job well the a running joke is that he, he struggles holding down jobs but in this place you know like diane is like you could be so much better and she tries to push him to that and he's like you're right i'll do it i i, I can actually get passionate about this but mm-hmm. by the end we realize that no norm's passion is to recede into the background, to be the benchwarmer, to be the witness when it comes to work. Because he, that's not something he really cares about. He's, what he cares about his life at Cheers. Yeah. Like that's where he can more or less kind of come alive in as much as he's still really vicariously living through the more successful people there. And, and I wouldn't even say that that that's a goal for him too. I think he strives for absolute mediocrity. He mm. likes Cheers because it's the nice warm place you can go that's not home. And yeah. it, they have beer there. Great. This is fine. And he has some good laughs with his friends. But he is not the center of, of Cheers. That is Ted Danson. That is Sam Malone. Mm-hmm. He is the center of Cheers. Norm is quite happy holding down that corner. Cheers will never challenge Norm. No. Cheers no. will never ask anything of him right other than you know pay, pay for how, what you drink and well it doesn't that, even it seem is, like they're yeah really trying on that one no right right but like yeah at, at home in his marriage he, the, he has certain obligations that he should fulfill and at work he has obligations that he should fulfill and he struggles mightily with both of those i think he at the he, bar he has no obligations yeah yeah and he he, he is fine hitting that mediocre hit he is fine hitting that i am doing just enough to get by possibly i'll (laughs) get back to you on that one and diane is right he could be better than he is we have seen him interact with other people we have seen him give some sound financial advice to people he could do that it's just that it takes a little bit extra effort and i don't really want to give that effort (laughs) for this episode uh uh, the teaser, we start with Woody, who, by the way, for the first time now, it does not have his arm in a cast after like five, four or five episodes, uh, the actor had his arm in the cast, so he's free of that. Um, Woody's missing this $20 bill that he's looking for, and Carla's like, well, say goodbye to that, Andy Jackson. Woody's a great moment where he just assumes she's talking about a real person. He, he looks at a customer who's just walking out the door, he's like, see you, Andy. He's like, bye, Andy. And the guy, yeah. the actor's look coming back to him is the wave of somebody just waved at me and said something to me. I'm going to respond back. And you can see his mind starting to process. He's not talking like, to me. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> Who did he call me? Yeah. Um, and then, of course, Cliff comes in from the pool room with finding it with a crisp new $20 bill that he found. And what he's like, well, I was in the pool room and they're wondering if, you know, maybe it was the same one. Cliff, of course, you know, wanting to not wanting to cough up his newfound fortune. He's like, okay, well, hang on, you know, I'll give the money to you, but you have to prove that it's really yours. So if it's your bill, what's the serial number? L2188611B. Because <laughs> everybody is like, wait a minute, that's a ridiculous question. You can't expect him to know that. But what he does, he rattles off the number. And they're looking at and no one's more surprised than Cliff, who's just like, okay. And just gives him the money back. And say and Sam's like, how'd you do that? He's like, oh, I recognize the serial I memorized the serial numbers on all of my currency. Every <laughs> day. Like, Why? 
Yeah, every day he's like, why? And Woody just very proudly for just such an occasion as this. And he, every day he prays that he doesn't get rich. Yeah. <laughs> Which spoilers by the end of the series, hopefully he's given he doesn't he doesn't still do that. Uh, given where where he is financially by the end of the series, but um, hey, I want to say that it's pretty impressive that they had the twenty dollar bill that was printed in San Francisco all the way over in Boston. Yeah, how did you know? Because Come on, the... don't you recognize serial numbers on money and currency, and recognize what plant, <laughs> what what mint the the bill was printed at based upon the serial numbers? You know, of course, that's a pre. Was it 1992 when they started to, I think it's 1992 when they started to do different serial numbers. Come on, man. I looked yes, this up this last night. Knowledge. I looked this, I looked this up last night when right. I, I was like, this is common, common knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> well done. Well that done. is fantastic. Okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, I was like, you, you know, you could have passed it off like a cliff, like a, one of Cliff's well-known facts or something. It's a well-known fact yeah. that the L on the front of a serial number. Yeah. <laughs> you know, which uh, meant that it was uh the, the the money was made at yeah i like i like the you know the setup and like the obviously the punchline is like woody's like well of course i like the reason i would know this is because just if this exact type of weird situation ever came up i would have use for this i would prepare to such an unreasonable expectation but hey it actually paid off this one time my favorite i think my favorite example of this type of joke was actually in the show news radio mm-hmm. um there was an episode when uh jimmy james the owner of the radio station bet or lost phil hartman his character uh bill he lost him in a poker game or whatever and they're like that he's like you can't lose your employees in a poker game and jimmy james is like yeah read your contract and bill pulls his contract out of his jacket pocket like his inside jacket pocket and he's like skimming over it and dave foley's character is like you keep your contract with you at all times and Bill's just like, at a moment like this, it really doesn't seem that crazy, does it? <laughs> it scares me more that he was carrying it with him, but he hadn't memorized it yet or hadn't read that. Yeah, one yeah, just, yeah but he would always look, look at it to know exactly what it is. So. Here, here's the one thing I will say, though, is by this point in time, we have become so used to Woody mm-hmm. that for us, the, for us, the viewer, and for the people in Cheers, there is a moment of fear and shock when he does this but then yep that's woody it's yeah. like this this does not really surprise us that much because this is so outside of left field that of course woody does this right right yeah exactly yeah and also also not something you could see coach doing no like this no. is something that is clearly distinctly that character that is woody yeah. and not just coach jr this is a, a a distinct character thing yeah 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 Co- coach is the innocence of a child with the damage of years of taking baseballs <laughs> to the head woody is just gosh darn shucks rural indiana and he is still wide-eyed about the city and life and it, yeah. it, the innocence is still there Wandered into the cornfield and part of him is still there yeah <laughs> just, yeah yeah and he's not a dumb we we it's established he's not dumb yeah. he just right. is he walks to his own drum <laughs> <laughs> uh 
Um, once the episode starts, um, Diane is talking about her honeymoon with Sam. Diane really wants to go to Tibet, and Sam is like, of course we're going to go to bed. bed. <laughs> yeah. And she shows him, like, a picture. She's like, imagine waking up on the roof of the world. He's like, this looks like where the dogs sleep. And she's like, yeah, the dogs sleep. With and Sam's like, I didn't sleep with dogs when I was single. I'm not going to do it once we're married. It, and this is the point in time, as I started to write down some of the comments and some of the jokes, I was like, you know what? Some of these are just mean. They are just mean spirited. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, it's fine if it goes there. But yeah. I was really surprised at I'm not sure what the writers did on this one, but there was there was definitely a little bit of a switch. It just was a little bit meaner than normal. And I forgot, I think this is their second script, and I think they only worked on these two episodes. I I forgot to look it up. I think they did two one other episode this season. Yeah. See, but um yeah, then then when Norm shows up, we get a Norm entrance and I don't remember the last time we did one, but it's been a minute since we had a Norm entrance joke mm-hmm. in this season. And we um, have two in this one. We actually did get two on here. Mm-hmm. The second one, the second one's a little light and it's right. not the same punch, but it still is there still is a good joke that's in there. Yeah. Um, and I love it because like when we finally get it, like I, I think it was like such a breath of fresh air. Like it, it was, was almost my uh, my home run for the episode. But when he walks in and what he's like, hey, Mr. Peterson, what do you say to a cold one? And he's like, see you later, Vera. I'll be at cheers. <laughs> and once again, funny joke. But I was noticing now bit, it's just a little, little bit cruel, a little yeah. bit cruel. There, there's yeah. Carla's mean punches that she does to people, but they're usually not cruel. Uh, so Norm tells everybody that he got this job at a top-rated CPA firm in Boston, and um, um, uh, Frazier, that he kind of like is like really congratulatory. He's like, "Yeah, good job," and and he kind of remarks that a lot of executives there require psychotherapy, and gives him his business card. He's like, "Just in case, yeah." Uh, the he also Frazier also has another line here too, and once again, it just seems a little off for Frazier, but. Mm-hmm. He was mentioning to Norm that he's looking a little chipper. Uh, well, it could be that we live in a democracy and appear sushi bars are in a decline. <laughs> Which I'm thinking about that. I was like, you know, when he's doing the Frasier show, mm-hmm. he is that yuppie that is going to a sushi bar. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say that's more a line that his dad would have almost. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. It just it almost seems to me that that joke is that just it seems a little bit more republican or conservative yeah and more the fraser liberal <laughs> attitude so yeah that's true uh and of course at this point like once they hear the news about norm's job the rest of the gang starts joking about it and really not taking it seriously mm-hmm. cliff wonders if norm will last long enough for them to see his second suit which is kind of funny like, <laughs> harsh, yeah. harsh but funny i mean that's the sphere all of these are kind of like it's your friends ribbing on you. It's your friends yeah, just yeah, yeah. giving you the Mickey and, and making mm-hmm. it, it's, it's, there is a line. Diane is right. There is a line that gets crossed, right? But it's just the friends at cheers, giving them a hard time. Right. Um, then um, he got hired at the Boston towers. Oh, they, it must've been the altitude that they hired. You. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. When he, and Norm says that he got the key to the executive washroom and Carl's like, did it come with a bucket and a mop? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Diane, she tries to lead the group into a round of applause and they're clapping. And then when they stop, Woody is still clapping and they kind of look at him like almost like he's like, is he being obnoxious? But he's like, no, he's like, I started late. I didn't want to be impolite. <laughs> and then bless little skip over, but like later on, 
on when Storm leaves and everything. And it's like, like Diane like tells the rest of the bar, she's like, I think you all could have been a little bit more thunderous in your applause. And Woody kind of clears this up. And she's like, except for Woody, of course, you know, went above and beyond. But, um, and then, yeah, of course, yeah. So once they, they're hearing everything, Diane is like, you know, I, I'm happy for you. When do you start the new job? He goes, about three hours ago. <laughs> it's like, because of course he's just on his lunch break and she's like what are you doing here yeah he, he's his own boss and you know he starts to say it's okay you know i'm like my own boss it's okay i take a lunch break now oh well that's how you got the job you know yeah right so right yeah he basically has enough and he's like okay well i gotta get back to work and he leaves the bar and i think it's the last joke actually that they he says that and he's like well thanks for the send-off guys he's saying it funny but he also is kind of like ah he gives a big sigh, and that's what sets Diane off. Yeah, like after after Norm leaves and everything like that, and he clearly upset, and Diane picks up on it, and she thinks that they hurt his feelings. There's a moment between her and Sam where I they don't really draw attention to it, and I wonder if they kind of missed something. But like when she t- says she thinks they hurt his feelings, Sam is like he he doesn't really believe it until Frazier chimes in and kind of agrees with her. Mm-hmm. Then Sam is like, gee, I, I hope we didn't hurt him. And it's almost like he was dismissive of Diane's idea until he heard <laughs> Frazier voice the same thing. And then well, Sam is like, oh, I guess that has some merit. It seems like the beat actually works, though, because okay, it's dismissing Diane always out of turn, sure. But this is the kind of thing that she always brings up. You guys are being too mean. We should get along more. She's always the one that's trying to change the tone of the bar. And so it's just a knee-jerk reaction, like, okay, it's, we're just making fun. We're just having fun. And yeah, you're right. Frazier, one of the guys now, it says, you know, maybe we were just a little too harsh. So it does make sense with how the, the bar is kind of just, it's going through a certain motion now. We're mm-hmm. past all the all the real heat between Diane and Sam. They're just kind of coasting until this marriage thing. And so everybody is just, running on the same cylinders it's the same motions that everybody knows there is a real good flow to the bar so yeah Frazier just calling it out and saying yeah she's not it's not just a thing this this might be something yeah but of course nobody is going to act upon this until Diane forces them to act upon it because when Sam says I hope we didn't hurt his feelings Cliff nominally Norm's best friend is like yeah I hope so well, too late to do anything about it now. Uh, refill Sammy, and he just pushes his empty beer over. Like, doesn't care that much. But Diane decides to get uh, to congratulate Norm. Like, she wants to bring everybody to the office, and they're like, "We'll get him a plant." Um, Carla agrees not to for any of Norm's benefit, but as she says, she wants to see some yuppie buns in tight Italian suits. Stay classy, Carla. Stay classy. <laughs> and Diane is pretty much just like, we'll take it. That's Thanks. fine. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, Frazier, he's about to back out, but he says, well, Mrs. Siegel, his next appointment, she's a compulsive <laughs> cleaner. Maybe he'll clean out. She'll clean out my office. But yeah, everybody is going and she's trying to get Sam to go now. And this is what we've <laughs> talked about before. Who is running this bar? Everybody yeah. always leaves. And there's like, you know, one person there. It's the middle of the day. This is the hot, the busiest time. <laughs> His backup bartender and his only waitress that actually works is leaving. Right. <laughs> yeah. He's like, he's like, no, I can't go anywhere. <laughs> I have to watch the bar. <laughs> he's like, I work, you nut job. <laughs> like, well, um, but that's okay. She's they've got enough people so that they can show Norm their impressive phalanx. 
Right. <laughs> yeah, that's what she says. And he's like, don't worry, Norm saw mine at the gym last week. So, <laughs> so, um, so we cut to Norm's office. Now we are we are out of the, the bar. We are in a new set. Um, and the, the gang gets off the elevator, with, which Cliffy is in the middle of talking, talking about an elevator accident in 1938 where the elevator plunged 86 floors. Uh, I did not look this up, but were there any 87-story buildings in 1938? There were, if you add in the percentage of bs that cliff usually says <laughs> yeah. but my notes right here says cliff in an elevator shoot me now <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i'm surprised that was a bigger deal like when they got off yeah well carla was just running out of there just like get me out of here and there's a lady that's in there whose eyes are like as big as saucer plates. she's like <laughs> we are being invaded yeah and um and they even joke, like, Woody isn't on the elevator with him. They're like, maybe he got lost. And Frazier's even like, what are the odds? Are the odds? <laughs> yeah. um, but then we find that Woody is there. He caught up with him. He must have been taking the stairs because he's carrying a plant. And they didn't get him a potted plant. They got him a tree. <laughs> yeah. like he's, he's carrying, like, he's, it's in a pot, but it's clearly like a three-foot-tall tree. <laughs> Could you find a bigger one? No? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, he's off. He's, um we, we they go to norm's door and yeah, carla yeah. reaches for the doorknob and shocks herself yes and diane's comment to her is well you know if you walked like a lady that would not happen if i walk like a lady nothing, <laughs> nothing would happen and then diane starts monologuing giving her this whole, whole giving the whole gang the spiel about how important this is and everything like that and while she's doing this carla just starts just rubbing Charge. her feet on the carpet, charging that charging up. up. It just shocks her. It's like perfect. You can see it coming a mile away, and you're just waiting for it. You're just yeah. waiting for yes. it. And her re- Diane's reaction, Jelly Long's reaction, is fantastic with it too. It is. It is. And then it is followed by this delightful visual gag of them, like about to storm into the office and everything. Except when Diane throws it open, it only opens about seven or eight inches and then stops and they just collide into each other because the door butts up against the other side of norm's desk and we find out that his office is not much more than a supply closet in fact it will be used as a supply closet in a few minutes was a supply closet (laughs) it was his office but they haven't gotten the information yet so it's still a supply closet so it's still a supply closet and that's how it will be used in a few minutes um and they're like, he's like why didn't you norman's like upset and embarrassed he's like why didn't you call first and like, when carla says we couldn't find a telephone booth until now oh. <laughs> and fraser goes did anybody see dust boot <laughs> like, and i can't i can't believe that for some reason they don't just allow norm to come out like once they see the they know they decide to all go in there and they cram and, themselves in and they have to do it in such a way where like they all got on one side they closed the door so some people could get around and then other people could come in uh woody uh, still has this giant plant and he's just he's like where do you want me to put this it's like this find a place and so he like he's standing on in like one corner of the desk he like turns around 880 degrees and just puts it right on the desk which then destroys that entire corner yeah exactly like you can't even see him for half of the scene um and he's he's enormous trying to save face he's like it's it's a miracle just to get an office in this building you know it's a sign of status in as much as it is he's like believe it or not some people have to share an office and then knock knock 
oh, you've got an office partner. And this new guy, Tompkins, comes in. Um, Tompkins played by Tegan West. Um, and Dorm is just trying to usher everybody out. He's like, just get out of here. We'll, we'll talk about this later. Um, and uh, as they're about to leave, uh, his wait, super wait, monster... Wait. Oh Wait, well, I'll, we come, I'll come back to yeah, I'll come back to that. <laughs> yeah, when when his supervisor is going to come in, and then Norman's like, no, 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 come back in because he doesn't want them. So he has to make this big deal about like well, he says, explaining the tax laws to them. The he clients. says yeah. he first off by saying, "Wait, it's my supervisor. Hide, hide." <laughs> like, and everyone where? tries to hide. Yeah, and then they realize the utility, and then they just stand there. <laughs> yeah. So when he comes in, he's like, who are these people? And he's like, oh, prospective clients. So people remember what I was saying in my seminar, file early and fill out. Um, but yeah, as, as you're going to point out, the best thing, like once Tompkins sits down, Carla sits on the corner of the desk. She's like, if you're looking for a secretary, I don't uh, take dictation. I don't, I don't take notes. I don't, don't type. get, I don't type and I don't make coffee. And he's like, what do you do? And then she's, spreads herself across in front of him and she's like hire me and find out um and then stay classy carla actually <laughs> diane's follow-up to that is either my home run or my runner-up and i'll come back to that because <laughs> she's got a priceless moment there but yeah so once everybody leaves uh Tompkins, the supervisor is talking to them, and Tompkins, he's like, yeah, you know, I got some Red Sox tickets, and everything starts schmoozing the boss, and he's like, oh, you're going to go far in this place, and they walk out, and Norm is left, you know, feeling yay big, but... Well, he starts off by also saying, you know, trying to make small talk to the boss and ask about his family and his wife. (laughs) Um, We're getting a divorce. He's like, well, I hope you stick it to her, (laughs) Just trying trying to do something, yeah. Um, yeah and then then diane comes back to check on him and he's feeling down and he says he wasn't meant to be a success and this is when diane takes him to task and tells him that he's been sitting around his whole life watching life pass doing nothing for himself and and she's like you're not even a quitter you're a non-starter and he's hurt but he also gets inspired and he decides to finally do something but meanwhile, throughout this entire scene between the two of them, as she's first like unloading on him and he's getting defensive, but then kind of taking it to heart and everything. Throughout this whole thing, we get this other interaction because the character comes in and he's credited as the office boy, mm-hmm. which is maybe a little bit unfortunate because he's the one black actor in the cast in this episode. Um, but he's played by somebody named Jeff Williams. Um, but he comes in and he's like, yeah, this is the, he's like, this is the, um, the supply closet, right? He's like, yeah. no, this is my office. And he's like, what number is What's, this? Yeah. 25. Yeah. yeah. He's like, yeah, that's the supply closet. So they just start bringing boxes of like papers and other things and just keep loading. And it's like a clown car. These boxes just keep on coming to the point where Norm subconsciously starts putting well, them and sorting he, them. To be fair, he doesn't start picking boxes until Diane has set her piece and he says, you know, maybe those harsh words, you know, maybe those harsh stinging words, words that I will take to, to my grave with my me. Grave. <laughs> but he, at that point in time, when she starts getting him riled up, he starts grabbing the boxes and he's angrily putting them down and he's stacking them and stacking <laughs> them and stacking them. And, and he's saying, you know, I'm, I'm going to start standing up for myself. I'm going to start doing this and that. And, and it ends with the, the office guy just saying, okay, sign here. No. I'm going to tell your boss. 
So he takes the paper and he starts signing it. Diane's like, Norm, don't do it. And hands it back. The guy looks at it. Thank you, Mr. Springsteen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he's like, yeah, he'll, he'll, he won't protest all the way and like sacrifice his job, but he will stick it to them a little bit. So that's his little, his little act of rebellion there. And, and he's very happy proud of it. And Diane's proud of him for it too. <laughs> and the scene between them, and we've seen a little bit, scenes between the two of them earlier on in the season and there was the question did come up when i was talking to one of my other guests in a previous episode of had shelly long stayed on the show and if she and sam had gotten married and i mean maybe they would have had a family or something like that i I mean at, at this point it's kind of laughable to say she works at cheers she's there because her, at this point, her her fiance and all of her friends are there. Um, if she had stayed, like, what role might she have had if the show was less about their romance? If their romance kind of became this fixed thing where they're married, they can fight, they can go through these things, but it's not going to be the would they, won't they type of thing. And you get family, so you might focus a romantic angle on Fraser and Lilith or Woody and a new girl or something like that. You might kind of change the direction the way they do. Like, what would Diane's place in the show be then? And I think this episode is kind of an interesting example of what that might have been of how does Diane interact with norm with cliff like where where does she kind of like fit in in this like and what role might she have that would give the actress a storyline and some screen time and something to do that isn't just part of a romantic subplot i think that unfortunately the only characters that she really has good interactions with and you can actually see her having meaningful interactions besides sam is going to be norm or i'm sorry norman or Frasier. That's it. Um, She is always going to hold Cliff at an arm's distance. And Carla and her are never going to be close bosom buddy friends. So you really don't have really strong interactions except for her ex-fiance. And you can only get so much mileage out of that. Right. And that just leaves you with Norm. And I don't... Especially after after Coach dies. Yeah. Like there there might have been a place for that with Coach, but certainly that's not anymore. Yeah. And and with her and Woody, it's like that's just her younger brother. You know, it's everybody's yeah. younger brother. Yeah. So you I mean, I like the interactions between her and Norm. I think that they do have a very special relationship with each other, but that's not gonna be enough to go on. Because like everybody else in Cheers, yeah. you can everybody else in Cheers, you can really mix and match and do different combinations and you get different kind of interesting things. But mm-hmm. with most people in Diane, it's just an antagonist. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm, I'm looking forward a little bit because Rebecca and Norm will end up having kind of a interesting relationship yeah. that may be similar to what we see here. Yeah. And I wonder if they kind of just transpose a little bit of that dynamic onto Rebecca when she comes into the cast. And also, I think Norm, of all of the characters in the bar, he is the most easygoing. And that's what this episode really explores too, sure, is that yeah, he yeah. is incredibly easygoing. So he is, you know, he's going to have his fun goofing with people, but he is the friend that they all have. Mm-hmm. People can have issues with Carla. Like people can have issues with, with Cliff. They can be friendly with Woody, but it's, it's not 
equal footings because they're always going right. to kind of look down a little bit at Woody. And so, you know, Sam, of course, is the big friend and he's the one who holds the bar together. But Norm is that non-central character who is just friendly to everybody. And so you can have those relationships with Rebecca, with Diane. And because of Norm's easygoing nature and his, as he explains, his desire, his passion for being the guy on the bench, Mm -hmm. the guy there, he works as an excellent foil for the most neurotic of characters, which is why he works as a foil for Diane and for Cliff and sometimes for Sam, depending on what the plot calls for. I don't think there's as much meaningful like relationships or scenes with Norm and Woody or Norm and Carla, probably because they don't need that friend. Yeah. Like just based on their characters and what they, what they want and what they need. Like he doesn't service them that way. No, no. But at the same time though, there are always good scenes with them and they still get along with him. They still get along really well with him because they're not going to annoy, especially Carla. Norm is the barfly that will never annoy her as much as any of the other barflies. Right. Even right. Frazier. Yeah. Getting back to, to the show and back when they actually go back to Cheers for a little bit, they come back and Sam tells her that while she was gone, he made their honeymoon plans. And Diane gets this crestfallen look on her face. And she goes, oh, God, it's Niagara Falls, isn't it? No, <laughs> it's even like, better. No, no, not, not that tourist trap. Disney World. <laughs> And she's like, I wanted to go to Tibet where we can ponder the mysteries of the universe. And he's like, there are mysteries aplenty at Disney World. And she's like, light is just such as. And he's like, well, why does Donald Duck wear a top and no bottom and Mickey Mouse wears a bottom and no top? And, and the entire bar gets in on this. Yeah, you, you'd think he's asking what's the sound of one hand clapping, but of course Cliff has the answer for it. So he's like, it all has to do with where a duck's private parts are. They're covered up by the floor, whereas a mouse, and he kind of goes, whereas a mouse is like, eh, need I say more? He doesn't just and then Frazier jumps in too, and, and just everybody's talking about this, and everybody's interested, and in, yeah, this has got a lot of merit. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and I, I will say right now, my wife and I eloped and we went to Disneyland for our honeymoon because you know what? I wanted to go someplace close. I wanted to go someplace warm and I want to go someplace fun. It so is I the happiest com- place on earth. I am completely <laughs> on board with Sam's idea here. Not a problem with it at all. Nope, not at all. So, um, uh, Norm has this idea that he's going to pitch to his supervisor and Diane convinces him why stop there, pitch it to the whole board of directors and, um he's he's like okay so he's gonna try and like he brings them together he's like okay i'm gonna do my spiel like act like you're like you know i need a really tough audience so really come at me and heckle me as much as you want and he's like good afternoon people and cliff is just like what's so good about it spends his time he looks at his notes for a good beat yeah. Looks at Diane and says, what time can you be there tomorrow? Yeah, he's like, I am not prepared for this. He's like, because she because she's volunteering to be his backup. And he's like, no, I don't need I can do this. But he's just like, nope, I can't I can't handle even a modicum of scrutiny. Nope. He's like, I need I need her backup. Yeah. There's a couple of nice things in here too where uh you know Norm was admitting that 
I'm really scared about putting my butt on the line. Carla responds, imagine how the line feels. Yeah. Nice one. yeah. Um, Sam's Sam's advice, imagine kids in their underwear. And he gives this entire story about how he imagined, yeah. you know, he had already imagined most of the girls. Yeah. So not a problem. Right. He yeah. Was, he will. He will. He's yeah. He's talking about how he, he used to have this fear of, you know, public speaking, which a common phobia, the yeah. most common phobia, supposedly, but he's talking about how he had given oral report in sixth grade. And he's like, his father told him to imagine everyone in their underwear. He's like, which was no problem for me. Cause I'd already gotten that way with half of the class. He's like, and I was, you know, getting to the part about how they take the sap for the, the maple, the sap from the maple tree. When I noticed how well Cindy Van Rippen had uh, filled out and everything, and and he ends up going on to this whole thing, how you know after the report he stole a moment in the cloakroom with her. And what he's like, well, you missed the best part of the story. Like, what happened to get the? How do you think what happens after they get the sap from the tree? Seems like I don't remember what he's like. Well, you get us all revved up and you skip the best part. Once again, Woody coming in with just, just absolutely perfect, just inflating everything in the room for the one joke. It's great. Yeah. Um. When we get back to the office and, and like enormous, like rehearsing, like giving his speech and everything, and Diane has this plate of pastries that she got on these ovens. Um. The office mate, this guy Tompkins, comes in and he, like, this is where you're saying like they were like being mean to each other. He insults Norm and. Diane comes back to him and he basically just tells her, he had no idea who this woman is, but he tells yeah. her to take a flying leap. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, getting a little bit of American psycho corporate vibe from this guy. Yeah. I'm waiting for the guy to rip out his, uh, his business card and say, let me see your business card. Let yeah, me see how yeah. nice it is, you know? Yeah. What color bone white is it or something like that? <laughs> we, you were talking to two guys who have seen American psycho a few too many times. <laughs> I'm gonna listen to I'm gonna listen to some Huey Lewis after this. After I return some videotapes. Yes, it is. <laughs> totally off topic. I still have my copy of that on CD because I went right out and got the store and got my copy CD that has Huey Lewis in the news before they pulled them all back because Huey Lewis didn't want his song on that uh, soundtrack. <laughs> Don't blame him. Unconscionable. Don't, don't blame him. But I mean the association. I mean, sure. um, um. Anyway, so once they, <laughs> they 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 step outside for whatever moment, and Norm's Tompkins, getting water. Norm's getting yeah. water in his face. Uh, Diane's uh, getting Diane's coffee. coffee. And this Tompkins guy left alone with a proposal. Flips it open, takes a look, and he's like. This is the ambitious young go-getter with no scruples. Takes it into the office, takes it into the board of directors meeting, and starts pitching him. They come back. Norm flips, screams because he realizes it's gone. Um, and all the all the tray of pastries is gone too. Um, so they go to the they and they just overhear him giving the end of the the speech. And Norm is ready to charge in there and take credit. He's like, "No, this was my idea." But- Diane Diane was pushing him to. Because yeah. Norm was going to say, oh, it's over, it's over. But Diane said, go in there and stand up for yourself. And he that's when he was about to. Yeah, he's just about to do that when they overhear one of the directors saying, you know, Tompkins, you idiot. You didn't think about how this plan will affect our, you know, our tax brackets or something like this. And they basically tell him to get out of here and didn't quite say he was fired, but definitely got but, a sense that. But he, but he also said, "Well, this really isn't my idea; it's Norm's idea." Yeah. And then they blast him for that too. Right? Yeah, they're like, "Well, yeah, where's the Norm?" So they kick him out of there. So Norm or Tompkins steps out, sees Norm and Diane standing there, 
and he's caught and he basically just like just my luck i get stuck like an office mate with a moron or something like that and hands him his pitch back and storms off and then the director starts filing out and he's like i'll say this about a guy man knows pastry which you know bravo diane yeah bravo to her even though she doesn't get credit for it and that's when norm well, goes through his whole oh yeah diane starts off by saying you know don't let this phase you you know yeah and, and so she's just, trying to calm him down and build him back up again but that's when he has enough yeah she's like try try it again and he's like no you know this was <laughs> like i dodged this bullet and he's like i this is what i almost got for stepping out of my comfort zone but really, the true person I am is that anonymous guy who sits in the in the, the supply closet. And I don't want to make reason, the goal. Get respected. Yeah. yeah, I don't want to make yeah. the goal. I want to be the bench warmer. Yeah. I want to yeah. be anonymous. If it weren't for bench warmers, all we'd have is cold benches, and who needs that? <laughs> and, so. and this is the moment where, you know, yes, before he was angry in the supply closet when you know he was moving all the paper and everything, but this. There's a difference because he was angry before. This is where he's just passionate. He's he. Yeah. You can really. And she's like, I've he never cares. heard. I've never yeah. heard you do this. Talk about that. He's like, because he's like, this is important to me. Being mediocre and unimportant is important to me. <laughs> he strives. He he goes out of his way to achieve absolute mediocrity. <laughs> That's norm. It, yeah, and it's punctuated when his supervisor comes back. He's like, hey, you guys, like, was there something that you wanted to add to the meeting? And he's like, I'm just glad to be part of the team. He's like, well, we're glad to have you aboard, Springsteen. And Norm's and final is, line, I'm home. I'm home, yeah, the perfect thing. They don't even know his name. You know, the, 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 the antithesis of cheers. Like, this is where he belongs in his work life. Like I said, this is not a memorable episode. It's not a great episode. But it's got a couple of good, good things in it. And that, that last scene is, yeah. is one of them. It's just really good. You see Norm yeah. excited. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, about something that's kind of so ridiculous. <laughs> but for Norm, it works. Yeah. yeah. For being a Norm-centric episode, because he's hardly had cheers for most of the time, we only see him with two beers, uh, which brings him up to 475 for the series. For the employee of the week, it was a norm episode, and he earned it. I thought my yep. runner-up was Carla. I thought she had she had a couple of scenes, a couple of lines. Obviously, like now, Woody is filling in like the coach part where mm-hmm. the the quality of his lines. You know, he he's he he like if it's it's an episode without a standout, Woody could easily be the MVP just because he has those chef kiss chef's kiss moments. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I thought uh, Diane was also great. I thought uh, Norm Norm in this episode, but Carla was my runner up. Yeah, what'd you think? I I had Norm myself. I mean, it, it's the ending yeah. where he sticks it. That entire ending is just that's where he sells it, and that's where he he really owns it. I think I would have yeah. gone with Woody just because looking back on it, the, the parts with Woody were very much choice. Uh, and and like we said, we we kind of waxed on him again on this one, and I think he was really good in, in his little bit parts that he did. So I'm agreeing with you there. I, I actually I I think my favorite part is actually just like the the penultimate line when he just says "Welcome aboard" or "We're glad to have you aboard, Springsteen," and just like that that beat and what that means and like Norm's Norm's like victorious smile <laughs> like that that whole beat uh, was probably the best but my my runner up I think is when Carla throws herself at Tompkins and like spreads out on the desk in front of him she's like hire me and find out 
Diane kind of like picks her up and almost sets her aside. And she goes, I don't think he caught that, Carla. Next time, be more obvious. <laughs> I mean, with friends like these in the office, I mean, just like, and Norm is trying to go under the radar as much as possible. It's just like, oh my God. <laughs> I, I actually, for my home run, that entire scene with her building him up and him moving the paper and then finding the ending with <laughs> He signs the invoice of Mr. Springsteen. That yeah. was it for me. It's like, but it's, it's funny and you can see it building up and right to you with your home run coming back around with it, it was yeah. also perfect too. So I just, that entire signing of the invoice is fantastic. Yeah, that was good. Just like the the staging, the blocking of, okay, we've got these two people in this cramped little quarters and they're yelling, almost yelling at each other and getting very defensive and everything. We're just going to throw more stuff in there. Just you, like you look at that the table. Room, it... <laughs> you look at that table, and you have to think they had to build that table in there. There was no other way that that table. And and it's really yeah. funny too because you have to imagine the fourth wall, and they're pretending that fourth wall is there because you keep on saying, you know, why don't you just step forward a little bit into this dead space that's there, right? Where that imaginary wall is at. Yeah. But they do a good job of pretend of just the pantomime of that, that wall being there where they just cannot move or go anywhere at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, yeah. I'm trying I don't I don't think I have much more else to say about this one. But uh, I think we I think we you know, we went from really deconstructing Norm Peterson from Cheers <laughs> on, on many different levels and future and possible alternate realities of different people <laughs> in Cheers. Went from there all the way to Jason Bateman and American Psycho. I think we've covered this episode. Patrick Bateman. Uh, Patrick Bateman. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Arrested Development. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think once we get once we get to yeah, that, that was probably we, yeah we peaked there. We should have. All righty. Um, well, I don't know your ex- I don't know your excuse. I'm drinking beer. <laughs> I've got a little, maybe I, I might be running a low grade fever. We'll see. <laughs> so. To be fair, this is a 9.2 ABV. So, you know, I got that going for me. <laughs> and it's coffee. <laughs> it's basically coffee beer. <laughs> coffee. I'm going to be up all night. Yay. <laughs> all righty. Um, <laughs> Rick, tell us again, where can people find you if they want to hear more from you? Well, me and my co-host, Jeff, who once worked in an office with a co-worker named Grant McDonald, but later we discovered he was lying and that Grant was actually a mouse, but all the rest of his stories were true. Well, we do a show called Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. We talk about Power Pack. It used to be the most underrated series of the 80s, but we've gone beyond that, but we're still talking Power Pack. I am also hosting a show called Monthly Monday Movie Muckabout on the Longbox Crusade Network, where I show a film to a guest that they have never seen and we talk about it because the world needs another movie review show. I gotta ask, uh, is Das Boot part of your movie collection? It is not, but I have seen it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering if that would come up. If you, if that would but, but one of my favorite movies of all time is The Office, so... <laughs> all right well rick thank you again for being part of this episode and thanks to all of you out there who listen to cheers cast and support the show by liking and sharing on social media and leaving comments on the website fireandwaterpodcast.com you can also support the fire and water podcast network on patreon special thanks to ashford from the right on podcast network and hey rick right here from jeff and rick presents who sponsor this show go to patreon.com slash fw podcast to support your favorite show on the fire and water network thanks everyone for listening and until next time 
we're closed. I am not a go-getter. I've never been a go-getter. What's more, I don't even want to be a go-getter. I'm very happy right where I am. And I'm tired of, of all these people saying, yeah, Peterson, you got to push. You got to get ahead. You got to make that goal. I don't even want to make the goal, Diane. I want to be a bench warmer, okay? The world needs bench warmers. I mean, if there were no bench warmers, what would we have? We'd have cold benches, a lot of cold benches, and the world does not need that, Diane. In this great pageantry of life, Norm Peterson may be a, a motionless lump, but he's a very damn good one.